You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York, a community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. Ecclesiastes 3. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Everybody say everything. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. That is such an important verse for New Year's Day, that man cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. And then Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. And now, would you please listen to the gospel reading this morning? Would you stand for the gospel reading? Um, I'm not even lying. On the way to the church this morning, I felt like when I was going to read this, that I was going to ask us all to close our eyes and listen to this in prayer because God wanted to bring healing specifically in the area of how we view love. Because this verse is a very popular one that has been used. Uh, It's meant to teach us what God's love and his heart looks like, which is his love, Jesus. Um, And we read the Bible with our own minds, and we don't read it with our souls listening to what the heart of God is. So I want us to listen to these verses and practice uh, listening with our soul and praying with our soul uh, to start recognizing God's healing in our lives, the healing of love, the way that we hear things in our head about ourselves and other people, Uh, The the way that we read the Bible needs to be formed by 
how is this showing us the heart of God, which is love? So would you please prayerfully listen? A reading from Gospel of Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away in eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, Jacqueline. There are sheep and goats within all of us. And Jesus will spend every year of the Christian cycle trying to separate inside of us the sheep and the goats, bringing his refining fire for the goats and blessing and continuing to perpetuate what is sheep in us. Every one of us has sheep and goats. We woke up this morning and we have goals for today. Everybody probably read Genesis chapter 1 this morning all excited with our new crisp Bible reading plans, visions of grandeur, started a new book, went for a walk. Maybe some of us are starting that on Monday or Tuesday or February. Who knows? But today is sort of like a trinity of beginnings because it's the first day of the year in the secular calendar. It is the eighth day of Christmas. It is the holy name of Jesus. It is when Jesus was circumcised in the temple. Before he shed blood on the cross, he shed blood when he was eight days old, and he fully embraced his Jewish identity and was given a name that is above every name, that at the mention of that name, every knee should bow in heaven and, and under the earth, too. Imagine if that's real. What a name he was given. And the number eight, especially when we get to Easter, the number eight is also a number of new beginnings. It's why on the eighth day, 
Jesus was named. It's a new beginning. And so you have January 1st in the secular calendar, new beginning. You have the holy name of Jesus, the eighth day of Christmas, new beginning. And we're here on Sunday on the first day of the week, three new beginnings happening today. Last week, we talked about our goals and our ambitions, and we talked about how they need to begin with baby steps. And we talked about how when God revealed to us the wisdom in starting goals, the wisdom he gave us was that when you start with a fully grown person, damage happens right away. When we began with Adam and Eve as fully grown people, immediately things fall apart. And then as you read through the canon of Scripture and you have king after king, leader after leader, judge after judge, prince after prince, we're always starting with adults, 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 and it's always falling apart, falling apart. And then God comes and says, here's how you really start. You start with baby steps. And when God begins from the very beginning himself, all of a sudden the plan actually has the legs to get to it is finished. So one of the quick pieces of wisdom from last week is when we begin our goals, don't start in the middle of the goal. An example, we're just going to tease out this example for only one more day. The desire to say in the new year, I'm going to go to the gym. What you're really saying or what we should be saying is it's not The goal isn't that we're going to go to the gym because that goal is comprised of baby step goals like this year, instead of saying I'm going to go to the gym, it's this year, I need to be better with my time. Because let's say it's an hour and a half with driving and walking at 2.5 on the right nice and slow. Let's call it an hour and a half. Last year, how many times did you say, I can't do that, I'm too busy, and this year, all of a sudden, we're going to go to the gym? The goal, I'm going to go to the gym, is not a goal about going to the gym. It's comprised of baby step goals. I'm going to be better with my time this year. If you're not better with your time, the goal to take more time to go do another thing at another place isn't going to go very well. It's a money issue. $10 a month, $15 a month, $80 a month, wherever you're going, it's a money issue. If we're not good with our finances, our number one donation will be to the gym, a place that we never go, but yet gets money every week. Maybe more faithful in giving to the gym than the church. Where are you, man? I need you up there for that one. I'll do, I'll I'll make my own laughs. It's fine. It's fine. I'm going to be more patient this year. Good luck. I'm going to be more patient this year. You know what that really means? It means I'm going to be more of aware of myself this year. It's not that I'm just going to try hard to not react. In order to really learn patience, got to be more of aware of myself. I have to be willing to say where I lose my patience around other people. I have to actually say to those people, this is one of those moments where I would lose my patience. I need help. That's what that goal really is. When you break, I'm going to be more patient down into baby steps. What you just said is you've invited the people who you're usually not patient with into your life to tell you when you're not being patient. Show of hands. Who wants to be more patient this year? That was a joke. You shouldn't want to. Let God just have that goal for you. Never offer him that goal. Okay. Baby steps. As we said, Those little legs on Christmas morning that couldn't even stand up were legs that eventually carried a cross with all of our burdens to Calvary on it. 
When you start with baby steps, you don't end with baby steps. You end with adult strides that could carry your burdens and the burdens of others where they need to be. But we have to start small with baby steps. Today, and I'm going to just, I'm right now in a few sentences going to just simply put those texts together that we read. The Revelation text is God saying once again, I'm going to create something new. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Hopefully, we all read that this morning. And at the end of the Bible, he says it again in case you missed it at the beginning of the Bible. I'm going to create a new heavens and a new earth. He is the one who begins things. It says in Ecclesiastes that God is so deep in eternity that we can't get to where he started and we can't get to where he's ending. We exist in between the alpha and the omega that is God. Amen? We exist in between what he can only start and what he can only finish. And so when we wake up on New Year's Day, we're not starting new goals. We don't have new visions for the year. All we're doing is continuing to grow this year. Because only God can start things, and only God can finish things. Only God can create from the beginning, and only God can say it is finished and have what is finished be helpful. All we do, we don't start anything. We think we start, I'm going to start a new thing, I'm going to have a new mind, I'm going to start fresh. We're not, we're just growing. We're growing. We might be more aware of where we need to grow. That's perfectly fine. It's good to have goals. It keeps us in order. But we're not starting something. The creator of the universe started something a long time ago, and he's the one who's going to bring it to fruition. Amen? We don't have to walk around with the burden of having to start over ever. You never have to start over, Salem. You just have to stand back up from where you fell and keep walking forward. You never have to start over. And you never have to have the burden to finish. That's why Paul said, I have, what did he do with the race? He said, I have finished the race. We're not the ones that he says run with endurance. You don't have to run with a sprint because someone else has already won it for you. If the race is over, just get to where he is. Somebody said to me, what would have happened if Adam and Eve didn't sin? There's two answers to this question. Number one, they did. <laughs> That's what the Bible is telling us. The Bible isn't saying, you know, here's a story. Imagine if it didn't happen. The Bible's saying, here's what always happens when you start. But then Revelation comes in and says, you know what? There is kind of a second story about a last Adam who doesn't sin. And he's the one who can create the new garden. And he's the one who can take the tree of death and turn it back into the tree of life, right? He's the one who can do these things. He's the one who can take the crown of thorns and turn it into a crown of righteousness. That's what Jesus does. So in some ways, Jesus is what would have happened if Adam never sinned. And he's the one who can take our goals from beginning to where they need to go. So what is the goal of our goals? The goal of our goals is to serve the world around us better. There are so many links today telling you how to set goals and make affirmations and put them in a place in your house where you can see them all the time. That is not how Christians set goals. We don't set goals. We don't take things of the secular world and say, I want to do them. We wait to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Steve, what, here's what you need to start with this year. Here's what needs to grow in your life this year. 
And usually when it's from God, it will have nothing to do with superficial materialistic things that make us really excited to work hard. It'll probably start with something awful, which is me. God, I, want, I had goals for my finances by the end of the year. I don't want to start with my character. I don't want to start with how I respond to my family. And God's like, well, I'll wait until you're ready to see where you need to start. Our goals, Salem, as they're achieved, should be goals that help us do exactly what Jacqueline read in those texts today. They're goals that should help us go from being goats to sheep. Goats are people who don't see the hurting world around them, and sheep are people who do. Goats are the ones who say, when did we see you in prison? When did we see you hungry? Goats are the ones who criticize people in prison and who criticize people who are hungry, saying they just don't work hard enough. That's goatness in you. Sheepness, don't say that very fast, it could get weird. Sheepness in you says, you know what, maybe there's a reason or not a reason why this person is hungry, but we'll get to that reason after we feed them. That's what sheeps say. And all of our goals, no matter what they are, you could have educational goals, parenting goals, financial goals, health goals, whatever it is. You want to buy houses, sell houses, whatever it is you want to do this year. They all should funnel into one thing. If, as your goals are being met, are you seeing the hurting world around you more, and are you becoming more equipped to help? I have a vision, I have a desire for the church this year that we will walk around more equipped to face the annoying things that happen in life. That we will walk around not surprised when bad news keeps coming. Not surprised when there's another hit. Not surprised when it's like, oh my gosh, as soon as we stand back up, we get knocked back down again. Yes, this is Jesus' life. The life he lived is the life where something went right, something went wrong all through his life from beginning to end. While he was still a baby, he was fleeing cities. I want us to be people who can stand up and say, Lord, I have goals, I have desires, I have new habits that I want to form, but here's what I want. I want you to take every one of them and make it so that as they're attained, the world is better because I'm in it, because I see who's hurting, I see who's ailing, I see who's dealing with some sort of ailment or oppression or whatever, and I'm more ready by the end of this year to help than I've ever been before. I can tell by your raving applause, this is very exciting stuff for everybody. Huge, huge, this is going to be great this year. As we say in the biz, this doesn't sell tapes. Nothing sells tapes anymore. This doesn't sell links. I don't know. So here, I, wanna, I just want to quickly go through this. And I want to say, here's when our goals begin today. And it's responsible to have them. They're going to go through a life cycle this year. They're going to go through a life cycle that we all will go through this year, and it is exactly the life cycle of the liturgical calendar. We just had Advent. We're now in Christmas. 
But our goals are going to go through this. Listen, the goal you start with in January should be nothing like what that goal looks like when you get to the end of the year because God should take it and mold it and reform it and breathe into it and tear some of it down and build some of it up so that at the end of the year, it looks nothing like what you started with. All of our goals fail because we try to keep the same goal we had in January all through the year and life doesn't work that neatly. Life is going to happen to your goals, and if they can't adapt or breathe or mold or change, you're not going to fulfill them. So what do they have to go through? Well, they have to go through Advent first. What is that? I put a, you take a picture of this at the end. First, our goals, they have to begin with announcements and preparation. Our goals have to begin with announcement and preparation. Let me just say quickly, one of the reasons why our goals fail is because we pick them. They're not announced to us by the Holy Spirit. They're not announced to us through the intimacy that we have with the Lord. We're picking goals. We're choosing the low-hanging fruit, the easiest goal. We're choosing what looks the best. Do you know who chose fruit that looked good? Two people. Adam and Eve, when you take and eat, things get destroyed. When Jesus says, here's bread, take and eat, things get healed. So when we're picking our goals, we're probably going to break things. But when our goals are announced to us in the soft, sweet whisper of Jesus' spirit, it begins with preparation. Like I said, maybe don't go to the gym in January. Maybe work on your time management in January. Maybe, and I'm going to keep using this, you do the math with all the other goals. Maybe, instead of just going to the gym, maybe ask the people right around you, say, hey, it's going to cost you something for me to go someplace for two hours every day. How can we do this so that I'm not leaving you with a burden because I'm going to better myself? These are conversations to be had when we're thinking of our goals. What is my goal? My goals, listen, my goals, my, my actual goals. I'm not making a metaphor. My goals will, you'll feel my journey through my goals. My goals will put pressure on Jacqueline and Theo and Sophia. My goals will put pressure on you. My goals will put pressure on my family. If we're living a healthy Christian life, our goals should be bore by the people around us. And so if we just pick goals and run with them, are we even asking the people around us, how do, how do you feel about me going for this goal? It's going to put pressure on you that maybe you didn't sign up for. Maybe you were so happy I had goals. And then halfway through you realized, whoa, oh, cool. So your goal was to make more money and you took that job down in the city and now I've only seen you for five minutes a day. Maybe that's a good thing for some of you. I don't know. But we have to realize we need to be prepared for our goals. They need to be announced to us in your walk with the Lord. And yes, Salem, as you read your Bible every day, as you pray every day, as you leave time for silence every day and open up your heart to a God who still speaks and will keep speaking until you hear him, let him tell you what the goal should be. You don't just pick you receive your goal because they come with preparation. Next, our goals will go through Christmas. We talked about this. Baby steps. Actions begin with baby steps. 
the expectation of instantaneous change. Leave it here at the altar. Don't go home with it. This is going to be our year. Somebody texted me this morning, this is going to be our year. Let's, let's talk about that in November. I'm not 100% sure if this is going to be, I mean, it will be ours because we'll live it. But I think what that person meant was this is going to be our year, like good thing. And I think they were talking about the Giants. And I'm like, I don't know. Let's just see what plays out. I don't know what our year means. Baby steps. Expectation. We expect that because we decided to start the goal, like we expect that because I went to the gym, that next time I go to my primary care physician, my blood pressure is going to be down. You got to go to the gym for a long time and then do other things. Right? You don't lose weight at the gym. You lose weight in the kitchen. There's things you got to do. You can't just say, oh, I started the goal, man. This is a new me. Why is it still 150 over 100? Because we have to take baby steps and work through it. Then our goals are going to go through epiphany, revelation that changes everything. As you start to walk through the year with your goals and your ambitions and yourself, even the goal of self-care, of just being a better you by the end of the year, these are good things. We tease them, but they're very good things. But at some point, Jesus, through his spirit, is going to reveal something to you about the journey you're on, and it can change everything. Mary and Joseph are sitting there, and on the Feast of Epiphany, the wise men show up and say, hey, we're here to give gifts to a king. And they're like, who's the king? And they're like, I don't know, we were just told to give gifts to this baby. She brings Jesus into the temple, and Simeon and Anna pour all over themselves to say, this is, we can die now. We have seen what the entire scriptures have been telling us is coming. And they're like, it's just, it's a baby. The other feast of Epiphany is when Jesus says to John, you baptize me. And John's like, no, 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 you're supposed to baptize me. There's a revelation that's waiting down the road of this year for you that when you hear it, it's going to change everything about the goal you started with. Let it occur. Let it happen. You ready? Like Mary, treasure these things in your heart. Ponder them and shh. Don't tell everybody. Get off the group text. Can we all have one resolution this year? One year. No group text of more than four people. Praise the holy name of Jesus. Can you imagine? The only people who didn't clap are the annoying ones. Or just do, have one like where everybody's got an iPhone so it doesn't turn green because one person has an Android. Like there's little things that we can do. <laughs> Put your hand down, John. Send me one more happy New Year's Eve, man. You ready? This is everybody's favorite. You ready? This is going to be exciting. Our goals will go through Advent. Love it. They'll go through Christmas. Love it. They'll go through Epiphany. Love it. And then our goals are going to go through Lent. Not Lent. 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 At some point this year, we all will have to repent because our goals have gotten far too about me and not enough about anybody else. At some point, 
our goals will get too self-centered because that's what we do best. If somebody says to you, what do you do best? I make things about me best. Do it without trying. Ask my wife. I do it all the time. I'm very good at it. I could make anything about me in two seconds. If you want a lesson on how to do it, just observe my life for 10 minutes. I'm doing it right now as we speak. I'm supposed to be talking about Jesus. And who am I talking about right now? Myself. I've done it in front of you as an object lesson to show you. We have to repent over the self-centeredness. Here's the thing. You ready? And here, here's, here's the big shot on this one. We can't demand that our goals become the goals of the people around us. My goals are my goals, and if I make them Jacqueline's goals, I'm going to get very controlling very fast. Is she part of my goals? Yes, but she's got some of hers too that she's going to need me to be supportive in also. And if my goals are taking up all my energy that she needs for me to be supportive of her, then I need to go through Lent. Because if my goals are so becoming about me that I have nothing left to support you and your goals, then my goals are not really that healthy. Please be quiet with the clapping. I'm trying to speak. I can't hear myself when you clap so much. It's true, though. I'm just here to tell you what's true. I'm just here to tell you what's true. And I, here's how I know it's true. From authority. This is what I do. I do this all the time. I'm just telling you what I do wrong. I mean, not specifics, but in generalities. But this is fun. Then our goals will go through Easter. And we need this. You know why? Because here's, here's what will happen. At some point, you ready? If you really are being diligent with the things God has called you to, if you really did hear an announcement, if you really did embark on a new you this year, if you really do go after what God has for you, and again, I'm telling you this, this time not funny, from experience, when you, and, and if you've been here a while, you know who this person is, but Bishop Varan Ash said this a long time ago. When you do what God told you to do, at some point, you will have to walk through the valley of loneliness. You will feel alone. Like no one understands you, and anytime somebody tries, it will be so annoying. Like the one upper person. I got foot surgery for the second time. I'm kind of discouraged. Oh, you know, I got 15 arm surgeries. Well, then stop trying to roller skate. I don't know. Like, I don't. But you're going to have to go through loneliness with your goal. There's going to be a point where God will bring you to a point where it's just you and him, even with people around you. And then once he meets us there, like Mary Magdalene weeping, looking into an empty tomb, you will turn around. And he will be there. And he will be more to you than 10,000 closest friends. He will meet you in your loneliness. And you're ready? He will wait for you to get lonely. We won't let it happen easily. We'll keep using people and pulling them towards us, especially the people who are the closest to us. We'll pull them toward. We won't let them go. Once we submit to it and say, you know what, Lord, if you've got to take me through this season where, yes, I have people around me, but I feel alone. We'll turn around, and like on Easter Sunday, we'll turn around and bump into him. 
And when you meet him in loneliness, you will be so full that every relationship around you will be a gift and not a necessity. You'll receive the relationships around you and not need the relationships around you to stay exactly what they are, but you'll all of a sudden let everything around you breathe because you've been filled with a presence that no one else can ever possibly give you, not your spouse, not your children, nobody else. That's what will happen. So when you start to go through that place, your goal hasn't gone wrong. You just need to wait. And I remember Pastor Mark Arstead brilliantly one Easter Sunday said, Mary Magdalene's tears anchored her to the place where she would eventually turn around and meet Jesus. Sometimes sorrow, sometimes pain, sometimes sickness, sometimes tears, they are there and they anchor you to a place because we move too much and we move too fast. Yes, this is the guy who had two foot surgeries. I get it. I'm moving too much. Sometimes we need to be anchored and stay put so that we turn around and bump into him in the ordinary, as Krista prophesied. And finally, finally, our goals will go through Pentecost. Pentecost the way it's supposed to be. Pentecost, not about your personal gift. Pentecost, about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on a people of God, on a community in the upper room. Pentecost, meaning the God-given, Spirit-filled communal power around you to help you bring your goals to the finish line. The blessing of Pentecost, man, we have individualized Pentecost in ways that every one of us should probably repent over. Pentecost is about God hovering over the church in Genesis 1. The Spirit hovered and gave birth to a world. The Spirit hovered over the ark in the form of the dove and gave birth to another world. The Holy Spirit hovered over Mary, and, and Mary gave birth to the one whose name means Yahweh will save everyone. And then the Holy Spirit hovered over the church in Acts and gave birth to the church. Every time the Spirit hovers, he empowers a community of people. Not just one person. If you find that everything good in life happens when, you're just, when, when you just get people away from you, I can do it better, those are not the goals you want to achieve. Pentecost is really the Holy Spirit, you ready? Cloaking us in humility. The power to say, Paul, I need your help. And Paul would say, you're my pastor. Yeah, man, that's definitely why I need help. <laughs> a lot of it. I can't do this by myself. I have a particular issue that I'm dealing with. And I'm realizing I'm losing my hold on it. And so I quickly called one or two people and said, this week, can I please sit with you? I know you've walked through this. Can you talk to me about what God did when you were walking through this? I can't do this by myself. I need to hear I need the stories. I need the testimonies. I need the reminder. I need to know what God did for you because God doesn't show favorites. <laughs> so if he did it for you, he's going to do it for me too. I need to hear your stories, Salem. I need to see your faces. I need to hear your stories. I can't do this by myself. Right? You need the person on the other side of the room because you can't do this by yourself. 
Pentecost. We've turned it into, we've taken one good thing of it, which is our gifts, and we've made it everything. It's really about the humility to be part of a community and know that your strength does not exist without everybody else. Even Jesus wasn't crucified by himself. You know why he had two criminals on either side of him? Because that was his strength to stay upon the cross. Every time the temptation to come down was spoken to his ears, he looked to his left and looked to his right and said, this is why I'm up here. These guys, they need me to stay. Even Jesus is crucified in community because community keeps him there. His love for those two men kept him there. So I close with this. When Abraham was told, and this is part of the reading for the holy name of Jesus today, when Abraham was told that he was going to be the father of many nations, he didn't have any children, and he was very old, like a hundred. And he was told, you're going to have a son this time next year, and he laughed. Then his wife laughed at him, and she said, it's in the Bible, you can read it, Shall I have pleasure? That's mean. She's looking at her husband saying, yeah, no, we're not going to have kids. I'm sorry. We must have drank something last night. We're not going to have kids. They both crack up laughing. What's the name of their child? Isaac, the one who laughs. If what God speaks to you isn't hilarious, if it doesn't make you double over laughing, your goals are too small. It should tickle you what God has for you. It should be lighthearted. It should be so impossible that it makes you laugh. And you're like, yes, bigger things, bigger houses, bigger cars. No, a more patient me is hilarious. If the Holy Spirit came to Jacqueline right now and said, this time next year, your husband's going to be patient, she'd laugh at me the way that Sarah laughed at Abraham. (laughs) And God would be like, you laughed. And she'd be like, no, I didn't. He said, no, but you did laugh. Everybody would laugh. Theo would laugh. Our goals should make us, they should bring lightheartedness into our life. They should make us say, man, God, fine. If you can do it, great. I'm here for it. But I can't picture this happening. Are you on your way up? Look at this. Somebody made some resolutions this year. Oh. I wish I could play for you. Salem, we are on to something this year. Something good is happening. Did Jacqueline tell you to do that? Okay, did your wife tell you to do that? You just did that on your own? Man, you are. Look at you. This is your best life now. <laughs> A new year. To, you're going to be me in 2023, John. Good Lord. Let's stand to our feet. Don't pick your goal. Don't, don't choose goals like Adam and Eve chose fruit. Let God speak them to you. And if you, if you haven't heard them yet, if you hear this message right now, And you're like, yeah, no, I chose mine. Just, we don't march to the beat of the secular calendar anyway. So wait. Wait until he tells you. Wait until he hovers over you. There's crazy things that God has for you. On the day when we celebrate Jesus being named, some of the Orthodox Church also celebrates Mary. Because whenever you celebrate a child, it is good to celebrate the mother. Amen? 
Yes. And St. Athanasius, more men should have just clapped, but St. Athanasius said this. He said, we're going to stand up on Sundays and we're going to hold up a dish that's going to have bread in it. And the first dish that held bread was Mary's womb. The very first altar that held bread. The very first altar that held a lamb. The first dish, the first chalice that held blood was Mary's womb. Salem, this is so important for us now because all of these visions and goals and dreams were spoken into her life. So many, so quickly, so outrageously. And it said she was given strength to do many things, but one particular area of strength was, is given to us. We can speculate on so many of them. But it said that she pondered these things in her heart. The way that she held Jesus without possessing him. Did you hear that? The way that she held Jesus without possessing him. The way that she let him go to danger without ending her love for him. The way that she lived in the paradox of who he was and her role, her altar role in his life. The strength was her ability to ponder and hold the chances and changes in herself. We live in a culture in a time where starting with me, we don't ponder or hold on to anything before at least some sound comes out of our mouth or some action takes place straight away. Bad news comes, got to text somebody. Bad news comes, got to let everybody know. Bad news comes, got to Google how bad it could be. Listen, there's, I believe today, this month, there's an anointing on the moment of coming to the Lord's table where I think the tool that we need to have goals that are holy and to see them all the way through this year and next year and the year after is the ability when things change, when things take a sharp right-hand turn, when the sun goes behind the storm clouds, when the bad things take place, there is a strength that is offered to us to ponder and hold without just vomiting a reaction, to hold, to ponder, to think, to store up in us what this might mean. God's given that ability to Mary. God's given that ability to us. Your goals are going to be threatened this year, and our ability to pause when they're threatened is vital. Vital. To not make a move, to stand, to sit, to pray, to wait. That is where this church's strength is going to lie. Every church is going to, no, nope, nope. We're going to be tempted to bite. We're going to be tempted to move. We're going to be tempted to have to react. And we are going to hold our place a lot this year. 
And we're going to help each other hold our place because the world needs people who are equipped to walk in a stable way through trials. They're going to come. They're going to happen. You will face them this year. Some of them will be our fault. But we can hold. We can pause. We can stand. And we can wait. And we need each other to do that. Things will go well when we're not just reacting, but we're trying to respond to the move of God's Spirit. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, oh, think about this. On the night when all of his work was upended on him. He looked at this bread long enough, held long enough to say, oh, this bread is me. And I'm going to break it before they have a chance to break me. I'm going to get to their sin first. I'm going to sprint ahead of them. And I'm going to get to where they're betraying me to so they find out I went there on my own. You couldn't betray me there if you wanted to. I got there first. He held. He looked at the bread all through that dinner, looked at the bread, and all of a sudden, I know what's going on here. On the night when he was betrayed, our Lord took bread, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Maybe in that moment, Jesus realized why Satan tried to get him to turn stones into bread. Maybe Satan was trying to get Jesus to manufacture what Jesus already was. He's going to try to get you to do that all year, to try to reinvent yourself, to try to make you, listen, the self you are right now is the self Jesus bled and died for, and if you were this self at the end of the year, God would be happy. Because he loves you just the way you are. You don't have to try to make anything of yourself. You just have to be in his presence and let his love wash over you all year long and you will be what he wants you to be when it's over. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would descend on this bread and make it for your people the body and blood of Jesus, the food and drink of new and unending life in him and descend on us. Forgive us of our sins. Father God, in this dish is fire. What do you want it to burn off of me today? What do you want it to refine in me today? Would you just pause for a second? What does the fire of this table need to burn off of you today? Would you just offer that to the Lord? And what in you, what gift in you needs to be refined by touching his flesh in this bread today? I'm going to ask Elder George and Elder Bill if they would come. Elder Bill, you can go to that side. Thank you. Yes. Elder George, to this side. Yes. Come to the Lord's table. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come to the Lord's table. Let him wash over you this morning. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.